Well, hello everyone, and uh, welcome to the Velvet Room Review. I'm Matthew. And I'm Graham. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about um, a lovely uh, indie title um, called Outer Wilds. Yes. Not to be confused with the not-indie title, Outer Worlds. By Obsidian uh, Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Although uh, I was thinking there are a number of, like, black rocks in this one. Are there black rocks in the other one? Well, Obsidian. Uh, so of course. One more course. similarity. Hmm, I see. Um, uh, yeah, and so this game uh, came out originally this year on Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a games. I don't know if it was games for Windows exclusive or timed exclusive or, uh, but it eventually did release for the PlayStation Four uh, uh, this past October. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't played it, I'd suggest if if an exploration game uh, with a oh how do I put space this space exploration like like taking a hike through space. Yeah, if game if if games like imagine like a Gone Home mixed with a Breath of the Wild, and if that sounds like that interests you, um, stop listening, go buy the game. It's thirty three and a half dollars Canadian, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh to briefly summarize, you are a space astronaut uh, that must go just go and explore uh the uh, the solar system. Mm-hmm. Um. But the solar system is destroyed within 22 minutes, and you, and then at the end of that 22 minutes, the time is reset, and you have to explore again. So it's got a very um, minute, uh, if you recall our minute review from last year type mechanic at the core, where you have this limited amount of time to uh, explore and traverse before um, having everything in the universe reset. So um, go play it. Uh, I, actually, this is probably one. If I had to say, like, you had to play one game we reviewed this this year, I think Outer Wilds would be the one. So, um, I think it's going to be a mostly positive review. I'm happy to hear that. I was actually thinking the same thing. Like, okay, we need to tell people stop. If this sounds interesting, play it first because a big part of the game is exploration and discovery. And if you if you hear them secondhand, it it just doesn't have the same impact. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I will say this. Um, this would be like a quasi, like, forewarning and also part of my my thoughts on the game. Um, for me, it took a while for the game to fully grab me uh, into the concept. Um, so have patience with it. It's probably a ten hour experience, but. At the end of that 10 hours, I guarantee you'll be feeling satisfied. And that's a Matthew guarantee. That's a Velvet <laughs> Room review guarantee. I think we can agree on that, yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's let's dive in. Yeah, yeah um, I'm just, I think, because I was just kind of talking about it, to start off my negative, to start, um, because the game is based around that 22-minute cyclogram, I often found my character was, or I was needing to wait quite a bit wait around for something in the universe to happen before I could proceed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really frustrating to me, particularly in like areas where um, there may be a bit more dangerous. So like you'd have to, you'd have to take five minutes to get set up to do this one task, right? Fail the task and have to restart again. Um, But there's not really a way around that in this, in like, in this type of game no um, it just it's the nature of the beast so um i was reading i've been doing a, a little bit of research on the subreddit and uh the patch notes and i i think um the game has a feature where you can kind of rest at a campfire yeah. to uh move time along at a little bit at faster than normal t- normal speed and yeah. i'm pretty sure that was patched in um in an update i believe or maybe it was in the beta or something like that it was available like in the build of the game that I played. Oh, when did you first play the build of the game? Like uh, beginning of November. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think oh, I'm thinking more like the Xbox. Oh, like the original. Release. Yeah. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that was a useful feature. Yeah, one 
if I had to criticize that feature, is that um, it doesn't tell you at what point the cycle you're in, and you can't, like, it is faster, but it's not like... Not super to, fast. It's not super fast, and you can't speed it up. So, uh, or you can't adjust it. But, I mean, it's a feature there nonetheless. Um, so, instead of a minute taking a minute, it takes, like, 10 seconds. Or well, yeah, like, um, I know that toward the end of the game, um, I'm not going to get into it too much, too much yet, but uh, you have to wait till about five minutes into a cycle before you can start to do your last run of the game. Yeah. Yep. And I failed it multiple times. So each time I'd have to wait at least a minute or so of just, just waiting, waiting for the clock to get up to five minutes so that yeah. I could leave. Yeah. That really puts a damper on things when you want to do something, right? Like when you've, when you figured out a, yeah, the solution to your puzzle. And that's, I think that's why minute, I think just, I, I, it does it so well because a minute is a minute. Yeah, it's right? a very short loop. So you can you can die and get right back into it really quick, and you can, it's it's like a speed run. This is just more of like, you know, it's it's a reset of the universe. You're stuck in a time loop. So, yeah, um, yeah. It, again, but I don't know how they could have gotten around that per se. So, without um, it getting kind of gamey. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, that's pretty but, much my only negative off the top. Um, what did you think about this game, Graham? Like, I I fell in love with it pretty quickly. Um, I think it was within the first hour or so of playing that I was like, okay, well, we need to record this for the podcast. Mm. Um, or rather, I really want to do this for the podcast um, and talk about this game because I really like it. Um, it just kind of scratched some kind of itch for me and like, um, I really kind of fell in love with the world and the, uh, like the universe as a whole and the way the tone and atmosphere of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's that like beautiful melancholy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like for me, I think what really grabbed me was the ending sequence and we'll oh, talk my about, goodness. we'll talk oh. about that more later. Um, but oh, it gives me chills every single time I think about it still. It's the anglerfish, man. <laughs> oh, don't even. <laughs> um, yeah, like the um, the atmosphere of the game. It, it It's this... It's just this reminder to me that like space and space traveling, it's, it's calm and like serene, but it's also chillingly terrifying. Yeah, and you kind of you could like get just amazed by the beauty of it, and then realize the danger of it, and it was just this such an interesting contrast to be like I could just sit and sit here and look at the the planets go by forever, um, but then I but then one minute beauty of nature. Yeah, I get too close and I'm getting sucked into the sun. So (laughs) yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and um, I think w- something that kind of helps with that is how distinct each of the planets are. Mm-hmm. Like, you think, oh, they're, you know, planets, they're lumps of rock, but no, like, there's, each planet is so distinct and so memorable that I can remember, like, a large chunk of all of their topography, and and this is, like, almost a month after finishing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's Brittle Hollow that's constantly, there's a black hole at the center of the planet that all of the, uh, ground above it is being drawn into it. Um, as it gets bombarded by flaming asteroids and then there's like Giant's Deep, the kind of water covered planet with huge winds and tornadoes or, uh, tornadoes. Yeah, would they be tornadoes. considered hurricanes because they're over water? Anyways, there's only those. Yeah, um, yeah, and the the Ash Twins and Dark Bramble and um, the Adderlock. What was your home planet called? Uh, um, Timber Timber Hearth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's um, they each feel so different, and there's so much 
hidden, packed into each planet. They're super dense. I think that's the thing that kind of stood out to me, especially because I was playing this and then I started playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm. Um, this environment is so dense for being in space. Like, um, I know each, like, almost every inch of each planet, um, but, uh, and this isn't a negative on Assassin's Creed, but, Mm -hmm. um, like, if I'm traveling across an environment there, I don't really know where I am in the world. Um, but I, I knew kind of, like, to a, to a point, you know exactly where you are. Yeah, like, like, to me, every, every step I took in outer wilds i was taking in the environment where in like assassin's creed odyssey or other assassin's creed games it's more like you're moving you're just moving through Mm -hmm. you're not you're not really exploring you're not really taking it in you're just going from one objective to the next generally so um absolutely like like it's funny you say that because i was just playing assassin's creed 2 kind of at the same time as playing this and it's like I spent as much time in one world as the other, and I can tell you, you know, I could describe in depth all the different islands on Giant's Deep, Mm -hmm. or, you know, all the intricacies of Timber Hearth and all that, but I can't tell you, you know, much about Venice. Yeah, how to get to one point to another. Yeah, or even tell you what one of the landmarks are, so... Yeah, it's uh, different, obviously different types of games, but just goes to show like the level that like the ingenuity of of the design of the planets. I think there's just something innate in them or crafted in them to keep your interest focused and mm-hmm. and and just the idea of like you you can see from your home planet, you can see everything else in the universe. And yeah. so the second you start the game you're going wow what is that going on in that planet right there i want to go see it and you can yeah Um, and that's very powerful yeah no it's um yeah i think i think because it is like a closed off universe and it is purposely small they can um really focus on every part of it um yeah, because like even um, I spent a lot of the first chunk of the game in Giants Deep and um, Brittle Hollow. It took me a while to get to the Ash Twins, and then I think Dark Bramble was the last one that I encountered. Mm-hmm. Um, which was kind of... I didn't think that I could go into Dark Bramble at first, because um, I threw my probe at it, and it wouldn't go in the hole for some reason. Okay. I don't know whether it's just some kind of glitch or whatever, but um, I actually had to look up that I could go into Dark Bramble. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I guess. What did, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go. You go for it. I was gonna say. I guess we should give a, a brief summary of the the story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you play as a explorer from Timber Hearth. Um, and they have a space explore, exploration program. Yep. Four um, eyed, four eyed aliens. Four eyed aliens. Yep. Um, I can't remember music. what they're called. Oh uh, yeah, they Her- love Hearthians. Hearthians. Okay. Yep. They love music. Um, and yeah, so you, your job in this society is simply to explore the universe. And there are a couple other astronauts around. Um, and uh, as you kind of um, there's like a little tutorial island which we'll talk about a bit later but as you progress through the opening sequence um, you're introduced to this ancient civilization called uh, the Nomai the Nomai, the Nomai um, which were a spacefaring race that are no more and you, all you have are ancient texts from them and, and statues and things like that and uh, you interact with this statue that turns its head to look at you and kind of does this imprinting mechanism on you i'll call it and you think that's weird you go off from (laughs) there and depending on how well you do eventually you die um like i like we said before after 22 minutes 
the sun in your solar system goes supernova and wipes out the solar system and your memories kind of replay backwards in front of you and you wake up uh, where you did at the start of the game and mm -hmm. you have to figure out what's going on uh, in your universe uh, by exploring the planets, seeing what the Nomai were doing, reading their conversations, and um, ultimately find a location, a location that the Nomai were searching for called the Eye of the Universe. Yes. Um, you also learn uh, that this process of all the of your of the sun going supernova is happening at an alarming rate across all solar systems. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The universe is dying. Yes, and uh, the 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 goal is to get to the eye of the universe to determine how to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so essentially you're just you're looking. It's like it's like you're an archaeologist or an adventurer. Um, yeah, you're just you're going through old Nomai ruins generally, looking for um, their logs and and uh, the Nomai were very much um, a science-based race. Um, mm -hmm. Everything they did, they they did for the quest and pursuit of knowledge, um, and they 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 um, created you know uh, transport. Um, between planets with warps, black black holes, um, they they built installations on planets all across the galaxy, um, and so uh, each planet kind of has like this, not necessarily hidden, but uh, some sort of location that's uh, relevant to the Nomai that you kind of want to dig into and discover and figure why they were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they all their stuff's hidden. Or not even hidden, just like scattered all across all the different planets, and it's got an interesting kind of non-linear style of telling a story, in that you, um, it's got a kind of a web of story beats, in that you can go to one planet and learn this about the Nomai, which leads you to another planet, and you learn something else, and eventually you're kind of piecing together um, why they came to this. Um, why they came to the solar system, how they, um, what the, the results were of their experiments were, um, and ultimately trying to see if you can actually get to the eye of the universe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, like, um, the path that I took will be very different than the path that Matt took. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, like, um, I think the first thing I did was I went to Giant's Deep. Or yeah. I, yeah. I went. I went to uh, Ember Twin. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, that's a lie. I went to the Interloper first. Okay. Also, I lied too. I went to um, <laughs> I went to the Adel Rock first. Ah, of course. That seems natural. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like I was saying, it's it's a very non-linear um chain of events. You don't. There are only certain things that you would have to do to beat the game. Yes. Um, the exploration uh, across all the, all the planets um, gives you the framework and the understanding to kind of beat the game. Um, like like Grandma was saying, one you know conversation between Nomai that's been recorded on one planet will give you the correct or requisite n knowledge to figure out a solution to a puzzle on another planet. So kind of as you are hopping planet to planet from loop to loop you begin to kind of unravel this this web of interconnectedness um yeah. and this the game has a function called the ship's log um, which is a great feature um which kind of tracks all the things that you learn at each location in this big kind of like web almost yeah. if you've ever seen like a conspiracy theorist in a tv show it looks <laughs> a lot like that bulletin board that they would have and um, what I really appreciate about that system is that it tells you when you have more to learn at a certain location. Because mm -hmm. um, sometimes you're searching at a location you run at a time or, or you, you die in some capacity and you have to restart the loop. 
you can check on the ship's log to see, okay, did I learn everything I needed to learn there uh, that would be necessary for me to proceed? And the ship lo ship's log does a great way of um, showing you the information and showing you what information is connected to other items in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, a lifesaver in that regard. Because you can you can tell well, yeah when there's stuff or even like it tells you the relationships between different things. Mm -hmm. So like if you're trying to figure out how to get to the core of Giants Deep, you can see, like it um you can see where where you're missing information to a degree or like you can see oh this piece of information leads to this and there's more for me to learn so that so then I'll know how to get to the next part. Mhm. Mm for sure. Yeah, it'd be like like if you didn't have it, you would need to constantly be writing things down. Yeah. Um, and you could almost like never like walk away from the game for like a couple of days because then you <laughs> you need to kind of refresh when you restart. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the major part of the gameplay is exploration, but um, the game gives you a few basic tools to do that with. Um, so you have you know you have your ship that you fly around the solar system with and then mm -hmm. you have a suit that you equip for when you want to go outside the ship which has fuel and oxygen oxygen of course for you to breathe fuel for you to not necessarily fly but kind of boost around yeah. um, and you have to monitor those levels and make sure they're in check um, you also have a health meter um, you have um, a probe launcher where you can launch a small probe um, to take photos um, yeah. and then also what's called a signal scope which um, is kind of like a radio detector almost it'll pick up signals um, if there are any in your area and you can kind of narrow in on a frequency uh, if you need to sorry if you need yeah. to um, so all those tools are at your disposal from the very beginning and they're all you need to figure out the solutions to the universe yes which is so cool in that like you never you don't pick up any new abilities or new gadgets like you have everything that you need um you learn one ability from which is optional and that being able to meditate which brings you to the next loop yes um which is useful but also not necessary at all right so every every like gain you have is knowledge based mm -hmm. and it's incredibly empowering i found um it really makes it feel like every discovery is your own and like um especially when you do things in an unorthodox way it really makes it feel like um you you are breaking this new territory um like uh there was one time, I don't remember if I mentioned this to you, but um, there's a black hole forge in uh, Brittle Hollow. Uh, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so anyways, it, um, it, you pull a lever and bring it up to the ceiling of Brittle Hollow. And I couldn't figure out where the other teleporter was to be able to teleport onto the ceiling for, for a while. And I was impatient. So I decided to fly my ship upside down um, okay. and land on the ceiling. Okay. Um, which took some time. Um, and unfortunately, as soon as I did it, the music started playing for the end of the loop. Oh, no. But um, so I ended up having to find the right way to do it. But it felt like such an accomplishment to be able to struggle and get to this place where I feel like I'm breaking the game. Um <laughs> But it's kind of okay in a way because this is what the game's about. Mm -hmm. um, I found that like it's very freeing. It reminds me a lot of like early 3D games that I used to play. Yes, like yeah, um, for sure. Lego Racers Two. Did you ever play that? <laughs> no, but you've talked about it before on the podcast. I have. Yes. Okay. Have. <laughs> it's got. A, I already, I played it for a lot of time and just driving around this island um, and 
like dr- trying to drive up hills that I'm clearly not supposed to be able to, mm-hmm. but finding little secrets in that. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it gives me maybe that's one reason I like it so much is that it really makes me feel like that kind of childhood memory. But I, yeah, and I, I I think the game's aesthetic has something to do with that. Um, it has. I don't mean this in a derogatory way. What I would qualify as like PS2 level graphics in regards to like the textures and the character models. It, it is very like it's very straightforward. Yeah, it's it's plain. It's a little. It looks a little cartoony, kind of like a Jack and Daxter type feel. That's the vibe I was getting at least. Okay, like a Ratchet and Clank, um, and um, it it it. It, it it's kind of like it's it, it it's trying to portray this little innocence like it's a cute little game but like <laughs> there's actually a, I we talked briefly there's a lot of like innate fear you have when playing the game and in some areas more than others um but i from the very beginning was like okay what planet's going to have the creepy monster that i oh, have okay. to escape um, I thought, really? I thought maybe Giants Deep would have it. Um, I thought, you know, maybe um, Brittle Hollow would have one. And as I kept playing, like, oh, no. <laughs> None of them have anything that can actually hurt me. It's all just, like, exploration-based. And then the last planet I search, Dark Bramble, has exactly that thing. Um, and Most terrifying anglerfish. <laughs> Um, yeah, this giant fish that, like, so the Dark Bramble is this planet that used to be a planet that's kind of been uh, imploded by this, like, invasive, like, series of branches and vines. And you can fly in them, uh, into the core of these little vines, and the inside is bigger than the outside. It's a little Doctor Who planet-esque thing. But the inside is total fog, so you can't see anything. So I, I just said, all right, I'm going in, and I drove in with my ship, and I got eaten, and I screamed, and <laughs> then I woke up again, and I said, I don't know what in the world that thing was, but I'm not going back uh, until later, um, and that's what I did. I went back later, and um, not not... I never actually discovered how to get past the anglerfish in the proper way. I'm using air quotes there. Okay. Because there, there is in-game text to tell you how to avoid them. Um, I just kind of learned, um, just playing around with my signal scope, that that tool could guide me to important locations in Dark Bramble in a safe manner. And so I used that tool really for the first time at Dark Bramble, um, mm. kind of um, by by happenstance, and that was a really cool victory to me. Um, and it was compounded by the fact that just before I went back to Dark Bramble, I had reached a point at another planet where I didn't know how to proceed, mm-hmm. and so I went to Dark Bramble instead. And after succeeding there, I gained the knowledge I needed to then go back to that previous planet and solve that puzzle. Um, and that was very rewarding. It, it felt it felt like <laughs> it felt like the game was designed for me to say, all right, I just don't know what I'm doing here. I'll come back later. And then giving me that information um, in a satisfying way, right? Um, rather than just me looking up a guide, which I Definitely. tried to limit <laughs> um, mm-hmm. as much as I could. So... Yeah, unfortunately, I looked I looked up a guide for that one part, but because I was scared of Dark Bramble. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so even like the fact that you use you use the signal scope to get through them, that's a valid path. Um, like the other way, like I what I did, I used that. Um, I also used like the signal the um, scout to fire my scout at the lights. Really? To see to see whether I could to see whether they were anglers or not. Wow. Um, and then the secret of the anglers is that they're blind. Yes. Which isn't too hard to figure out if you know 
a little bit about anglerfish. Right. Um, which I'm thinking now is probably due to Finding Nemo. Um, but, um, yeah, so, but uh, there's the one part of Dark Bramble where you have to fly past, like, three of them in a row. Oh. It just, uh, it, it makes you so anxious every time. Uh, yeah, it's, at one point you have to get to, like, the core of Dark Bramble. And, um, like, I, I had in my mind thought, like, it was very convoluted to take the long route to get there, the long and safe route using the signal scope. So yeah. I just elected to launch myself as fast as possible into Dark mm-hmm. Bramble because um, the way the anglerfish track you is if you apply thrust in your ship, they instantly know where you are and they kill you. So, like, once you're near them, you can't... As soon as make sound... Yeah, you can't move your ship. Um, so you just have to let your momentum carry you. So my solution was, all right, I'm just going to launch myself right at the core and just aim properly and and get there. Um, and it worked, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't. It didn't save me as much time as if I had just done it the normal way, but I was still able to do it. Yeah. So that was pretty neat. No, that is great. Oh, that's it's even neat. Um if you go the wrong like if you go the wrong way after going through the red area, yeah. You get into like an infinite loop of um portals. <laughs> Just to be like, well, you messed up here. Um yeah. I think um one thing the game does really well with its 22 minute thing is giving things a sense of danger and giving you a sense of, of fragility like um you feel very fragile um like things can kill you pretty easily you can step out of your spaceship without a suit on and asphyxiate yeah that's right yeah um or like get crushed to death by rising sand which was pretty gruesome yeah um like not visually, but like auditory. Yes. It's, I was like, "Ooh, that was that was not fun." Um, or accidentally hurling yourself into a wall or something. Ooh, I have a great question for you, Graham. Mm-hmm. What was your weirdest death in Outer Wilds? Um, oh, I was thinking of one, but um, I mean. There's always there's the classic one of I get to a planet and I'm really excited to do something and I step out of the ship and I didn't have the suit on. Happens every time. Um, let me take a look because there is there were some. Were there, was there one for you? There's one for me that I will never forget. Okay. <laughs> so, um, on Ember Twin, you can recall a Nomai ship from another mm-hmm. planet and it'll warp back to Ember Twin. You can then get in the ship and you're also able to launch the ship. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I did, but I must have launched it at some angle in relation to the sun that um, the momentum of the ship like locked me in place into mm-hmm. where I could barely move. So I couldn't stop the ship and, my, and the ship just started to go around and like an orbit around the sun, but like okay. super fast. Um, eventually, I was ejected from the ship, and then I was in orbit around the galaxy, um, in like incredi- incredulously high speeds. Like you would mm-hmm. open up the map, and you would see you were here, just spinning around. Oh, really? And I, it just broke the game. Like eventually, like I just let it kept keep going, and like the the HUD got distorted and like started to go pixelated and polygonish and then disappeared and then your body like started to pixelate up the screen like it it like really the momentum just kept building and building and building and uh yeah i should have recorded the gameplay but uh it was uh it was something else i'm like wow this is terrifying <laughs> hmm. it's like my it's like my character was just stuck in a um 
an orbit of propulsion. Like every yeah. loop was just faster and faster. And it, momentum. it wasn't killing me, but it was just like really weird. And then I, I and then I, uh, the sun blew up. <laughs> yeah. So. I think there's actually like, there's a couple kind of joke endings to yes. the game. Oh, this is, my fa- this is one of my favorite parts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So like, I know, I know the one you're thinking of, but, um, there's the one where if you just go far enough away that the sun explodes and you don't get caught in the blast. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, well, I guess that's the end. Um, and then it, you go get the credits. But um, there's one where it's... Um, so basically one of the things that the Nomai figure out, which is a core plot point, is that they can control... Um, if they've got a black hole and a white hole, you put something through the black hole and it comes out the white hole. But they figured out that they can actually increase the amount of time between when you put something in the black hole and when it comes out the white hole or the other way around where something can come out of the white hole before it goes in the black hole. Yes. Um, and there's a section of the game where you can kind of play with that. And But if you throw your scout into the black hole and disable the mechanism before or yeah. before it goes in the white black hole, but after it comes out the white hole, the the screen starts like breaking up and you get like you just you destroyed space time and then it starts playing a kazoo, kazoo version, version. of the so main much. music uh it's great it is great it's just like they uh, they must they realized it and were like okay we're going to make a joke out of this <laughs> yeah i i I, I love that they just took the time to do that, you know? The kazoo yeah. ending is, is fun, but, like, even the instance of you're flying so far away, like, there is a way for you to disable the time loop. And so mm-hmm. if you disable the time loop and then fly away from the supernova, you get a different ending than if you had not disabled the time loop. Mm, true. Um which I thought was um, just really like nice attention to detail that they would say, okay, so they could do this. What if they do that and then do this type of thing? And um, uh, it was really neat. And like the first time I disabled the time loop, I didn't realize that the planet would still, or the sun would still blow up. Mm. Um, so it did blow up and then you just, you get a game over screen and it kicks you back to yeah. the main menu, which doesn't normally happen. So it was, it was like, Oh, Oh, I lost. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. No, um, the, the level of detail in this game is pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, did you know that it started as a student game? I did not know that. Yeah. It started as a student game five years ago. Wow. Uh, I think it was like a PhD student. Um, I can't remember the whole story. I always started listening to a, a podcast uh, with um, like an interview with some of the creators. Um, I'll link it to you later or something. But um, And they started to talk about yeah, the, the development. And um, it's like a fairly small studio. Um, yeah, the, the creator made kind of the core loop. I think there's a number of people on the team, but made it for like their PhD thesis or something. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, well, so like Graham said, uh, and this is going to go into more direct spoilers again. So, Mm. um, if you're still listening, stop, um, the no, (laughs) keep listening if you've, Beating the game or if don't you don't, care. yeah. Um, the Nomai discover that um, you can send information or matter through um, a wormhole and have it appear on the other side, of course, before it enters. And so they deduce that if they can um, produce a large enough energy source, they can extend that time. And so. Yes. Um, this particular clan of Nomai are 
um, are very driven to find the eye of the universe. They're also they're kind of stranded in your galaxy. Um, yeah. Their ship gets stuck in Dark Bramble, and some Nomai escape, some do not. And so um, their goal is to find the eye of the universe and somehow reach it. Yeah. Um, so they deduce that the best method of finding the eye of the universe is to build this giant orbital cannon that circles giants deep and that will launch a probe at some yeah. angle to find the eye of the universe deep into the universe yeah um but in order for it to send the information um and and fire it needs a massive energy source um the only energy source they could think of to produce that energy is a supernova yeah and so they decide hey let's just blow up the sun um but we can do it in such a way that we get the information from the probe um sent back in time 22 minutes so the sun blows up which fire which then sends the energy pulse um to the orbital cannon but back 22 minutes yeah so they basically can keep firing the probe over and over and over again like an infinite number of times as many times as they need um because it keeps looping back Yes, and like the because the information is being sent back in 22 minutes, so um, right, yeah, so they yeah, um, so they send back the information, and then once they get once they reach the coordinates, they could simply not blow up the sun anymore. That was their logic. So they okay. build they build a sun station to initiate this supernova, but fail. Um, they can't actually get it to happen. Um, so, um, what ends up happening is they end up all dying out, um, due to a freak accident with the asteroid known as the interloper. They all die kind of in this mass explosion thousands of years before the story takes place. Yeah. Um, but everything they built still exists. So when the sun does go into supernova for the first time, it activates this cycle that then your player is stuck in. And yeah. so the orbital cannon eventually does find the eye of the universe and you can obtain those coordinates. Then you as the player need to um, travel to Dark Bramble, use the Nomai vessel, install a warp core, enter the coordinates and travel to the eye of the universe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's... It's not really a convoluted process once you know what you're doing. Um, there's actually an achievement in the game to do it in your to do those steps, or to in your first loop, in yeah, your first loop to reach the eye of the universe. Um, so yeah, you can beat this game in 15 minutes if you know the precise steps to take. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, yeah, it's impressive. I am always just impressed with this game. Um, and it's impressive how they tell you all of this without expressly being like, you need to collect the three MacGuffins yes. and unlock to unlock the ending. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the ending itself is um, like this incredible kind of abstract experience yes, once was... you finally... <laughs> it's odd. Yeah. It's odd for sure. It's... Um, is beautiful and eerie and um, kind of heart wrenching at times. Yeah, because again, to preface it, you are you you as a player, you're going to the eye of the universe to stop the universe from dying, to stop your solar system from dying, and um, the eye of the universe again. It, it like Ram said, it's a very abstract experience, like. You're not quite sure if you're hallucinating or if some entity is messing with your brain or you're seeing images and reliving moments of like the game and of characters you've met along the way. Yeah. Um, near the end of the sequence, you have to gather everybody around a campfire to play their instruments. Um, and it's just, mm -hmm. it's a, this very odd 
odd moment. It's surreal. It is. Um, it's hard to explain, clearly. Um, and at that last moment, when you do find everybody, um, you can kind of all talk. You can talk to each other, and they all start to play one by one uh, the theme of the game on their yeah. perspective instrument. And as they sit around the campfire and play the music, um, the smoke kind of billows and forms um, into a globe. Mm-hmm. And eventually, um, I forget the precise steps, but... Um, you jump into it. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, you mm-hmm. um, you get to witness the eye of the universe um, going into a supernova, essentially. It's a... Um, it's the, the universe starts over again, essentially. Yeah, the birth of a new one, or it's it's interpretive. Yeah, yeah, I I. Yeah, I garnered it as like a second Big Bang almost. Um, yeah, and so, but it's this beautiful, like somber moment. Like all the characters are expressing, like, "Hey, you know, we had our time, and it's now time for somebody else." Um, Mm -hmm. the beauty of like the explosion is pure white light and it's just this like you you can't really escape it like you can kind of turn your head as the character but like it takes up your entire field of view and it kind of much like the supernova happens in the distance and then rolls over you Um, and um, depending on if you there is like kind of like a true ending and a non-true ending to the game. If you meet um, a certain character in the game, you get a true ending where um, the post-credits scene comes up and it says, you know, 14 billion years later, you see new life uh, in in the form of new planets and new um, spacefaring civilizations that kind of they reflect the images at the start of the game. Um, yeah. like people just sitting, sitting around a campfire. campfire. Yeah. And so, um, it's this interesting, like juxtaposition and also like, um, going against your expectations of you enter the eye of the universe determined to save the universe, to stop, you know, the, the, the heat death of the universe. But what ended up actually happening ends up happening is some people argue you you give the framework to create a new one mm-hmm. um that you um as a objective observer meeting with this uh, the eye of the universe which is like this quantum place um you give it the framework to restart and refresh new um yeah based on your experiences and it's just this beautiful, to me, it was this beautiful message, a, a somber message of just like, hey, y- you have the time that you have. And mm. like that this death that you're going to experience is paving the way for new life. Um, and it was, yeah. it was very powerful. No, absolutely. Um especially for me, what gets me is with the kind of like birth of the new universe. Um, There's like, it sounds like fireworks are going off Mm. and there's like this triumphant music, Mm -hmm. um, extremely like, um, like singular music. Um, And it's like calling out the birth of the new universe. Yeah. Um, It's uh. It's, I don't know, it's something special. Um, I think it's kind of interesting because I have a little bit of a different interpretation of your quest because I don't really see it as you're trying to um, save the universe. Mm. Um, I thought it was, it's really just about experiencing the universe mm. or like exploring the universe rather than like it's, it's the draw of discovery. Um, Maybe even like the the value of discovery in the dying universe, hmm. um, but uh, yeah, just like the no mize goal, or that that was it. Like for me, I saw it as I'm trying to fulfill the no mize goal of 
um, doing doing what they couldn't of finding the eye and entering it. Um, and then, yeah, like it's about bringing bringing new life. It's even even kind of fits with the whole like nature, like natural wilderness, like um, almost like a ranger park kind of feel. Hmm. Of uh, you're taking care of this of of this um, piece of wildlife. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I'm I'm thinking now. It's like I for I I had the impression for quite a while that actually the Nomai were not necessarily as ancient as they actually are. Um, to me, it it appeared that like. They were there not long before us. Okay. Um, and so for me, it was, I guess I had in my mind, like conjected that the Nomai were trying to stop the universe from dying also. And so that okay. became my quest, right? Um, yeah. Now that as I gain more information, I realized that's not quite the case. Um, you do, there are, you know, people do realize that stars are going into supernova um, and Nomai still exists, just not this particular clan. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting for sure, because the Nomai are very much, uh, are people of, <laughs> let us just do, um, let's, let's, let's do this experiment or test and gain knowledge. Um, and they're very, they're very mindful as well as, you have a young species to be careful not to take too many resources from your planet or interfere. And so they're just this like wholesome, um, silly, but profound species, um, that just, that Mm -hmm. just complement the game so well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was every time I saw a text from them, I was so excited to read it, to see, hmm. um, you know, what they were gonna have to say. Yeah. And they, yeah, like they're always so excited about the newest discovery that they have, or, um, it's only until like the very last messages that they write that you see fear and disappointment. Mm, yeah. Um. Like when they discover the ghost matter yeah. and when the sun, uh, the sun project fails. Yeah. Um, most of like, even when they've crash landed in a, a foreign solar system, they're so excited. They kinda, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, again, the game, like it's, it's one of those endings where it happens and you just, you can't help, but, um, just sit there and think about it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, for me, it was very much just a message of just like, um, the the importance and the necessity of things ending. Mm. You know, um, yeah. So it was it it's um an abstract ending sequence for a very in your face, I think message but one that could be kind of taken in a couple of different ways so it's pretty abstract when the rest of the game is very concrete yes yeah for sure for sure so mm-hmm. yeah yeah um do you have any other thoughts before i think the only other thing I have written here that I don't think we've discussed yet um, is that I wish the NPCs had more to say. Um, there are a few NPCs of your race that you can talk to, and um, I guess mm-hmm. there, I wish there was a bit more character interaction there, because um, for the most part you're you're by yourself. Um, the notable exception is you um, you do meet a nomai uh, during your travels. One thing we haven't really talked about is all the quantum all stuff. The quantum stuff, but yeah, I was... yeah, it's it, it's complicated, but essentially it's so cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Um, essentially, there's a quantum mechanic in the game where 
um, you can see something, turn your head and look back, and that item will have moved. Um, and there's a quantum moon in the universe that's constantly skipping from planet to planet. Um, and it's um, it's kind of the idea of if something has infinite possibilities until you look at it directly. Yes. Yes. Which kind of ties like that's the whole idea of the eye of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, this the quantum moon visits all the planets in your solar system Mm -hmm. and then also a sixth location um and so you can manipulate quantum mechanics to reach the sixth location while on the moon and there you'll meet a living nomai um and you can have a conversation with it um which was really really cool um and i wish it would have lasted longer um Mm. But what's interesting, and what I didn't even realize until later, is that that Nomai that you meet with, you actually see its its dead body on the quantum moon at every location in the universe uh, in your solar system. It's only mm-hmm. at the sixth location because it es- it escaped the ghost matter in this sixth location that um, it still lives and has been living for thousands of years yeah so even in this like amazing moment of meeting new life it's like this kind of horrifying <laughs> uh realization that that being is stuck like she's five sixths uh, dead <laughs> so um yeah that's that was really profound as well in regards to like oh this this person yeah i just saw her dead body and now she's here standing alive and knows that something is not quite right but can't quite figure it out um yeah so yeah very very cool um and uh cool the the mechanics are cool um and definitely um one of the highlights of the games uh of the game for sure so definitely yeah yeah, I loved um, I loved seeing the quantum moon, especially once you figure all that stuff out and you see it pop up at different places, and you just kind of wave to it and <laughs> see you around. Hey, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <sighs> so, yeah. Uh, any last thoughts for you, Graham? Um, I'm just taking a look at my notes. We talked kind of about how it's like a hiking trip. Um. It's interesting how well the themes of like observation tie into the gameplay. Um, the music, mm-hmm. music I found was very good at helping to convey the atmosphere and the sound effects and everything. Absolutely. Um, I guess one little nitpick I had was that toward the end of the game, especially once you've kind of you've seen all the major areas at least you think you have. And then um, you're just like finding these little bits. I found that the kind of diminishing returns right. on discoveries. You're right. Um, and then like the final path for me to get into the Ash Twin project, I found very confusing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had to use a guide. I don't know how you yeah. would have found it normally. Yeah. Like it makes sense. Kind of, but I thought that, um, because like there's the ledges that you can hide under and stuff, but it still didn't, um, it was a little frustrating to see that. For sure. Um, I think like a lot of the things I have are just like moments that I remember so well and are so like, um, like discovering the tower on Giant's Deep, um, Mm. or landing your ship at the hanging city or sliding down the ice tunnels or um that moment of realization when you're like i know how to do this i know how to beat the game um i know how to find the eye of the universe um and how how they felt like my discoveries um i think that's really powerful 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons that it, it stands out so much to me is that it was a very personal journey. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What would you give it on our scale? Yeah, so um, definitely a Yukiko, no question. Okay. Um, for me. Um, okay. I think. Um, I think because it has that kind of like it's got the the bittersweet, but um, mm. I, there's something I think I mentioned it before on the podcast, but like bittersweet is my thing, mm. um, and it's got that kind of melancholy but beautiful, um, yeah, and I just like just want to keep spending time with it. Mm. How much for you? I, I feel like you got a different one. Well, you know, I was gonna say Naoto. Okay. But now that you say Yukiko, I Yeah. That's See like cuz that's that's like that's the thing about Yukiko. It's like <laughs> It's funny cuz I'm reading the rereading the manga, so it's like it's kind of fresh in my mind. You can Okay. You can really like Yukiko she has things that she wants to do, but she does what she feels she needs to do, right? The right thing to do. In regards to like mm-hmm. staying home and doing running the inn or whatever, it's like, and that's just like her place, and that's a lot like what this game is. It's like I, I had that, I had that sense of, I need to stop this, or I, I, I want to stop this, but what I really, what the universe really needed, is to just let it happen, and follow, <laughs> destiny if you were, or just follow the path. So, that's a very apt, apt description. In addition to like. Like you said, the the melancholy and or the bittersweetness of of, of that realization as well. Um, yeah, that's that's very good, man. I, I yeah. gotta play Persona Four again. Me too. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna power my de- my beat on tonight. It's um, yeah. So man. yeah, I agree. I would give it a Yukiko, second only to now or Naruto would be a close second. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, were you going to give it a Naoto or a not? You're going to give it a Naoto? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, could, I could see that yeah, too. Because it is a very detective Analytical, observational. Um, observation, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm still trying to land on that Sun Station, Graham. <laughs> I've almost got the Platinum Trophy. That's that's the big one I have to do right now. But uh, it's tough. You have to manually fly there. It's not easy. So, working on it, though. But um, yeah, could I? I don't think I could recommend this game enough. Um, it's I don't think I've said it yet, but I want to be clear. Um, this game is a work of art, and to me, it's it's proof of how powerful the art form of games can be. Um, and we've had a couple of games like this we've played this year that have something profound to say and say it in an interesting way that to me elevates a, a, what would be just a video game to a work of art. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kudos to the developers. Um, shout out to the subreddit, which I, I've used to get hints or different perspectives on things. It's a small, but, active community which is really cool um yeah so yeah thanks graham for recommending it to me my pleasure yeah i'm glad that we had the chance to play it yeah um yeah so this um episode's coming to a close but uh very soon we'll be coming back with our i think we're coming back with our episode on stanley parable that's right graham right yeah we're gonna we're gonna blaze through that and yeah um, well, we're pushing on Charter 4 to the new year, and then we're going to go back to where I think most walking simulators started. Stanley Parable. I can't really think of one before this. I think Dear Esther was... Really? Dear Esther is like the the catalyst, really? from what I can remember. Didn't, didn't Dear Esther come out in like 2016? No, it was... I'm going to check. I'm, I'm doing that right now. Because Stanley Parable initially came out in like... Yeah, Stanley Parable came, 2008 was Dear Esther. Really? Oh. Wow. Stanley Parable came out in its original form 
2011, and then 2013 was the full version. Oh, so they're actually they're, yeah, so they're pretty similar. First released in 2008 as a for the Source game engine. Oh, okay. Was entirely redeveloped for a release in 2012. That's that's Dear mm-hmm. Esther. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize those these were they were the folks that did Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. I did not like that game, but uh, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, going back uh, to the start of the decade, um, and with Stanley Par- Parable. So, and then after that, we'll have the Velvetys. Um, yep. Which will our second annual. Second annual. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're walking to my place this time, That's right? What, uh, absolutely, Graham. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So next week. After we talk about Stanley Parable, we'll give you a brief rundown of the Velvetys um, and what we'll be discussing um, and what awards we'll be giving out. I'm really looking yeah. forward to that. It's been, uh, we've played, you know, Grandma, I've looked at the games I've played this year and it's like, I've played a lot of great titles, but I've played so mm-hmm. few new titles. Like the number of games I played in 2019 that are from 2019 or like, <laughs> I think I can count them on the top on my hand. So yeah, uh, it's gonna be a yeah, it'll be an interesting list for sure. So yeah. Anyways, we're almost at an hour and ten minutes here, Graham. We better wrap it up. This is getting to like Mass Effect level. Mm. Well, yeah, we're halfway to Mass Effect three, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one third of the way to Mass Effect one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, thank you all so much for listening. Um, we do appreciate it. Um, if you like the episode, please let us know. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, iTunes review is a great place to give feedback as well. Um, we do keep an eye out on all of that. Um, we love game suggestions and any and all feedback. Um, so please, if you like the episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let your friends know. Let us know. Uh, and we will see you again very shortly. And see you then.